This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. For those of you who've joined us in the last 10 years, you would not know that for 20 years, we were called Homemakers by Choice. Homemakers by Choice changed my life. It changed my story. It changed everything in my world in the most wonderful way. We continue to provide encouragement to wives, women, mothers, and homemakers. And the hallmark of our early years was that we were a strong voice for those women who had made a choice, who were making the choice to be full-time stay-at-home moms. Now, I want you to know that this is the 21st century. This is the year of 2021. And I think there is as much uh, unevenness about why stay home, who can stay home today as there was in the 50s, the 70s, the 90s, the 2000s. It has been a hot topic in our culture. It started really when World War II began and women went to work in the armories. They were working for our country, they left home. But what really started was the agrarian culture when it changed from an agrarian culture where families lived on farms, they cultivated, they all lived together, worked together, went to school together, and dad went to get a job. And all of that started in the 40s. He now left the farm leaving mom at home. And then mom stayed home with the children. And then as the, the decades increased, we found the first real blowout was in the early 70s when moms who were stay-at-home moms were pitted against working moms. I still have a picture in one of my files of a Time magazine divided down the center with a jagged cut. And on one side was a mother portraying the mother staying at home. And she had a baby nursing on her breast. Yes, on the cover of the magazine. And on the other side of that jagged <clears throat> picture was a woman in a three-piece suit and an attache case and high heels. We've been pitting one another against one another. And believe me, that is not my intent at all. My intent is to encourage you in ways to make this choice that is good for you and your family for your lifestyle. My husband and I meet with a lot of young couples who are getting married, who are just starting their family. <clears throat> we had a, a birth this week in the life of a 25-year-old girl and her husband who we've known since she was born. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there we were looking at her holding her new baby. And we were talking about how she got there. She and her husband came to us and said, we both were products of stay-at-home moms. How do, you, how do you get ready for that? 
So we talk them. We, it's about economics. It's about saving. It's about setting goals that are common. It's about wanting the same thing. It's about a marriage concept called agreement, which we've talked about on this show, and you can probably find it in our archives. But Homemakers by Choice changed me, and they changed my story, and they've allowed me to have a voice to help you and to help your family. Through the course of these decades, I've learned a lot about parenting, a lot about motherhood, uh, a lot of things that all of us deal with. One of my favorite greeting cards comes from a young friend who had five sons. And it's a picture of a bathtub, which I love. And it says, when life gets too hectic, I've always found that a nice hot bath can solve most problems. And then the inside of the card says, I've been here since last Thursday. And it really does describe how we just like to get away from the scene. There's too much to do and too much noise and too much undone. And I heard from a mother who was talking about the shows I've just done on how to really love your child. And she said, can I go back and redo it? I didn't do it right with my children. Well, we're all learning, and that's what we're here to talk about. So today I want to talk about life as an at-home mom. What does it look like? How do I make those assumptions? Uh, how do I make those decisions? It is done by both of you. If you're a single mom, there are still ways to be at home more than away at work. That may change the kind of career you have. It may change the income strata you have. I'll never forget one of thousands of letters that I got in the late 80s when I wrote what was then called the stay-at-home mom, now called Loving Life as an at-home mom. She wrote and said, I had this career. She was a teacher. My husband left me. I have four children. I wanted to stay at home and raise them, and I had to find an income. And she became a laundress from home. She washed and ironed clothes for people in her community. I'll never forget it because I met her daughter and I said, how was it living in a household where your mom, she said, my mom would work late into the night so she would have time with us and sometimes I could hear her crying. And later I asked her as an adult, what was that about? Her mother said, well, sometimes my legs hurt so much or my shoulders hurt so much from the ironing board that I cried in pain. Now, I'm not asking you to sacrifice your entire life, but I'm asking you to consider, is there another way for you to be more available to your children, especially in this culture? Frederick Beekner, who I'm like very much, said, my assumption is that the story of any one of us is in some measure the story of all of us. And so my story, of course, you may or may not know, was an illegitimate birth, divorce and remarriage by my mother, uh, rape and adultery, financial ruin, broken trust, a church life that was not about Jesus, rejection and abandonment. There it is in seven or 12 words. Well, that doesn't mean that I've had those things, but it also means that in this time, Jesus Christ, who came to be my Savior and yours, promised to never leave me or forsake me. And at this age of my life, I can tell you that he never has. 
all the pain of the past has been turned into a passion for me, and I have loved doing what I've gotten to do. Nine books, 25 years, a thousand and thousands of people in the audiences, and I still love what I do. We around here like to use the Word of God as our textbook. In 2 Timothy, it says, All scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, that a man or woman might be equipped by God. In our culture, we suffer from things that are uh, much different than the culture before us. There is a glut of words and noise. I asked someone to keep track uh, three gals who are, live in different circumstances. Could you just keep track of the ways noise come into your house? It was an astounding list. Some of them are things that happen to all of us. The phone binging, the text binging, the washing machine starting, the dishwasher, if you have one, going off and on, the doorbell ringing, the ring that now makes a noise when a car drives by or someone delivers something at your door. They're not really ringing your bell, but it's yet another noise. And this glut of words, this glut of experience, this glut of tapes and books and ideas and icons. It's just everywhere, everywhere. And this eloquence wearies us. Too many words, too many ideas, too many concepts, they weary us. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, that's an old phrase that certainly wasn't a pleasant one, but keeping it simple is a very difficult thing to do in America. In 1500, Prior to the printing press, a man could know all that was known to the world. 600 years ago. He could know everything that there was available knowledge to the world. After the press, it doubled every 100 years. Did you hear that? Knowledge doubled available knowledge. Then every 50 years. And in the 21st century, Every six years. You know what it is today? Every seven months. How is it you want to keep up with that? My husband and I laugh about our cell phones. And we, now we say, do I need that one? Do I want to know that one? Our grandchildren, our kids, they, they all, they, oh, there's another thing. Oh, Nana, you know what you could do? We have to say, no, we don't need to know that. We're overloaded. There's no way that at my age, with my limitations or your limitations, whatever they are, that we can continue to keep up with all the knowledge. So I want to give you a few things today that are credible, workable, and memorable. They'll be tools for practically tools for your family to help you with your family. I want to encourage you in the job you're doing as a mother if you could go and get a job for all the things that you do, from taxi cab driving to washing the dishes and the clothes and the floors and the shopping and the marketing and the cooking, I, I don't have to tell it to you. You know them all. You would make $641,000 a year in today, 21st century, um, 2021, um, <clears throat> for a salary. We give you tools to do the hardest job 
that we, you, we think you ever could do. And we hope that these tools are useful to you. How do you care for a husband? How do you raise children? How do you create a home that's functional but doesn't cost an arm and a leg? And we want to always remind you of the importance, important, importance, I'll get that out right, of the job. We love the job that you are doing. Remember, it's a 25-year investment. Your two-month-old is not going to hand you a check at the end of the week. Your two-year-old may give you a dandelion. Your 16-year-old may acknowledge that you are alive and well. But it's a 25-year investment. 25 years from wherever you are, you'll be able to see what you've been doing every day. 77% of moms who hold down full-time jobs would like to be home full-time. That is a staggering number to me. 77% of mothers who hold down full-time jobs want to be home full-time. And I, I often ask the question, then why aren't they? But the, the why they're not is exactly what we talked about earlier, because they haven't planned for it. They haven't made the economics. I have a perfect box full of letters I've received over the years of moms who made the decision to stay at home and what it cost them. So many stories, but so many of them stay fresh in my mind. And one was uh, a woman who gave up her car. And I still remember the, like I had this breathlessness. You gave up your car. You know, she said, the only way we could make the annual budget by drawing the line come out black instead of red was to get rid of the second car. And that meant, and she described all the things was necessary, but she said, I did it. And at first she was lost. She said, I felt a lack of freedom. I was concerned about everything. But she said, as the time went on, I began to see how profitable that was for me, how I learned to live in my circumstances, and how I helped the children to spend more time with me. So this, as we turn the 21st century, the facts and the trends are still there. Um, women say to me all the time, I would not go back to work full time. Or I'm sorry, I went to work full time. I wish I'd stayed at home. The natural national trend right now is to sacrifice prestige and finances to stay at home. One out of three women with an MBA are now not working full time. One out of every three women in America who have an MBA are not working full time. They're at home. I love the stories of women who gather together and say, I'm a this and I'm a this and together maybe they'll give us this job and we can job share it. So I work two days, you work three days the next week, so that the work continues to get done. I know that people are concerned about losing their status in the jobs. So these facts, there are so much information that's helpful to you. But the decision has to be one made that you and your husband are both in agreement about. If you do stay home, I want to say to you, don't be a mall mom, a Bible study mom, a shopping mom, a lunch mom, a TV mom, a book mom. That's the mom I would be, a book mom. Make your home a place that you want to be in, that your husband wants to come home to, and that your children are safe, not only emotionally, but physically. We're talking about a biblical worldview, 
not a worldview. We're talking about a biblical view of the world, not the world's view of the world. And Titus tells us that we are to encourage young women to take the priorities of life in making their relationship solid with their husbands, with their children, with keeping her home. I think staying home can be very frightening. We don't know what to do when we get there. We, we haven't been trained in how to manage a kitchen, a home, the finances, and all the things that we're called to take care of. We are discouraged with our child-rearing skills, but there's so much available to us now that can help us. We know that there are circumstances that require women to work. Please hear me say that. There are circumstances that women must work And we hope that we give you tools that will help you bring both of those together, working and raising your children. When we began the work of Homemakers by Choice, technology was not in charge. Technology is in charge. Right now, if you're watching any of the C-SPAN channels or any of the news channels, you see what's going on in the Senate hearings about the data and information that's being made available through technology on companies like TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and on and on, and how the quality and content, cancellation life, the way that our children are being berated and misunderstood and told that they're not valuable through these various ways. It's an argument. It's a fight. Um, 30 years ago when we began this work, that technology was not even available. I understand it's harder for you. I understand it's harder for you. I met a young woman not long ago while she was pregnant, and she asked me if I had a minute to talk to her. And I said, of course. And she said, I want you to know that I don't have an extra minute in my life. I don't have an extra minute in my life. And she said, could you you tell me how much more time it will be to take care of a child? (laughs) And I could see clearly what she was doing. She was looking at her, you know, seven-day-a-week schedule and wondering, how will I get that to fit in? And uh, I didn't tell her that that's not how it worked. I gave her some encouraging words, and she continued to work. I don't know what happened beyond that. So three little things I want to say. One, you're not alone. There are women all over this country who are choosing to stay at home. More than 11 million U.S. parents, or 18% of all parents in America, are not working outside of home. Now, that number is slightly increased because there are dads who are now staying at home, about 4% of that. But that number in 2021 is not much different than the number was in 1989 or 2016. These numbers are staying constant in the people who are choosing generationally to stay at home. While it fluctuates... Some decades it's down and some decades it's up. We are moving into a decade where it's going to be up. The Gen Xers, our Gen Zers are wanting to be at home. They want to have a garden. They want to cook whole foods. They want to have natural. They want to go to the used store and buy used furniture and used clothing. They want to give their money to philanthropic organizations. And I just want you to know that if you make this choice to be at home full time, you are not alone and we are here to encourage you for sure. Secondly, you're still the best choice. And I always come to this passage in Deuteronomy 6. 
um, starting with verse 4 through verse 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are away, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and gates. This is Old Testament. This is God telling the children of Israel how to raise their children. He couldn't be clearer. Do it all the time in every way. How you live, how you talk, what you say, what you eat, where you go, in your house, when you're sleeping, when you're getting up, when you're going to bed, all the time. Recite these things to your children. That is what growing children to look like the things you believe are important in children is about. The sovereign God, I believe, assigns kids to us. I got one that was very different than me. Did you get one very different than you? Did you get four? And one of them is so odd, you think it's different than everybody? And that's God's sovereign plan because it not only grows you up, it grows us up. So you're the best choice because the sovereign God gave these children to you. And then lastly, the facts continue to pour in. The facts are not so slanted that it says, if I don't stay at home, Donna Otto says, if I'm not at home full time, my kids are going to turn out badly. That's not what Donna Otto says at all. Your children, those of you who work full time outside of your home and you and your husband are in agreement with this, you do sometimes more than the full time stay at home mom can do because you're working in such good teams. But I will tell you, the facts continue to pour in that children who in their first six years have a devoted parent who is there nurturing their mind, their heart, their soul, educating, informing, just as the scripture tells us. When you lie down, when you get up, they're watching their mothers and fathers make faux pas and being forgiven. So I say to you, if you're considering this choice, if there's a way that your choice can be put back on the table to be a choice, I want to encourage you to do that. I just came back from a trip in Raleigh, North Carolina, and had the most wonderful experience. And I thought it was an open wide to me about what I do, why I do what I do, but how many times this very story has been played out about 26 years ago, a woman named Tammy, a lawyer, and her husband moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. They had a small child. She was leaving her law practice and coming to Scottsdale to start her new law practice. She first had to pass the bar, and so she signed up to take the class to pass the bar. If you have an attorney around your world, as I do my husband, you have a part of that law exam that is for the whole country, and then there are very specific parts for each state. So she was in the process of doing that. And somehow or another, she found homemakers by choice. She said, I popped in for one Thursday morning, and then I popped in for two Thursday mornings, and then I started saying, and then I started hearing the Lord speak to her, and she talked to her husband, and they decided that she would not 
go back to law practice. She would stay home and take care of child number one, and then they had child number two. How does that have anything to do with Donna Otto in Raleigh, North Carolina last month? Well, her now oldest daughter, who's just turned 30, has decided that she wants to be engaged in helping mentor young women. So she and her mother, who were coming to Scottsdale for something else, came to see me. They wanted to talk about a book I had written called Finding a Mentor, Being a Mentor, and how could they bring the kinds of things that we brought to Tammy 30 years ago to change the course of women's lives. It's a great sacrifice, I recognize that, moms, wives, women. I want to affirm you, those of you who are celebrating this style of life, I know it's hard, I know it doesn't last for a lifetime, but the results do last a lifetime. Proverbs 14.1 says it very clearly. The wise woman builds her house. The foolish woman tears it down with her very own hands. I'm calling you to be the wise woman who makes a choice about staying home or not staying home and doing the tools, using the tools and techniques of raising children to fear and love the Lord. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make a very uncommon day of considering your choice.